Welcome to Real Christianity. Today we are talking about dying to self and being alive in Christ. So yeah, we're going to be continuing in our four-part series on Dale's new book, Real Christianity, How to Be Bold for Christ in a Culture of Darkness. And if you missed last week's episode, we are basically going to be covering all eight chapters of Dale's book in two uh, chapters per episode format. Yep. Um, and I wanted to actually read a few reviews that I saw on Goodreads and Amazon just to let you guys hear what other people are saying about the book. Um, this one is from Amanda Thomas, and it says, Get this book. It will change your life by changing your heart. It's a must-have. No matter where you are or what you have been through, what you have done, or where you find yourself in life, it does not matter. You need what is written here. Everyone does. I'm going to get a copy for everyone I know this year for Christmas. It's really that good. Mm. That's awesome. Um, Alicia says, uh, This book is five inches wide, seven inches tall, and ten feet deep. A must-read. <laughs> Richard Davis says, this book is like a splash of warm water to your face. You still get the shock of being wet without the sting of cold words. It's direct, it's bold, but most of all, it's accurate to the scriptures. Mm. That's a really awesome compliment. And I would say, not just because I'm your wife, but also because I'm a Christian, that I would actually agree with all of these comments as well. Um, I think that the book is short, and it's super powerful, and... Um, it's definitely worth adding to your library. Um, so in the last episode, we covered chapters one and two. Um, and today we're going to be tackling episodes, or episodes, chapters three and four. Um, chapter three is titled Dedication and Death. And we're going to discuss the idea of an altar in scripture. Um, so Dale, this title can seem a bit intense. Uh, can you tell us both what you mean and where you got this idea of dying and dedicating yourself to God. Yeah, so um, excited to just chat about it. And thank you guys for so many of you. I've already purchased a copy of the book. Um, we've sold several hundred copies at this point. Yeah, uh, and I've actually seen quite a few people say that you know, they read the entire thing the day they got it. Because it is a short book. And then I also see other people like, like, are saying that like, I know I can read it all, but I want to savor it. I'm only re allowing yeah. myself to read a chapter at a time or... Yeah, so there's some really good reflection questions at the end. So um, anyways, yeah, if you're watching the video here, you can see the book if you haven't seen it yet. You can also go to my Instagram account and see And they can also buy a study guide that can go with it yeah, as Yeah, well, the right? study guide. We actually have the study guide right here. So if you're watching the video, again, you can see it. But there's a little study guide. It's a, it's like a 40 to 60-page study guide. So it's a, it's a, little, it's a little beast. And um, people are buying that too. You can go to, if you just go to shop.relearnchurch.org. Uh, you can get the book and then add the study guide. You can also, I think this, the study guide is actually available on Amazon as well. And so it's available there. You can do that. But to answer your question, um, pull my notes over here. Uh, this is probably one of my favorite chapters in the book. It might even be my favorite chapter in the book. Um, but I'm the guy that, you know, I, I lean towards the intense stuff, right? So uh, dedication and death. Um, you know, what, what I basically argue in this chapter is that there's two types of altar calls. There's the altar call in the Bible, and then there's the altar, altar call experience that we've seen with the kind of uh, gently strummed guitar, the smoke machines, the piano in the background, and the pastor that says, hey, with everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed, uh, why don't you raise your hand if you want to accept Jesus? That, that is a very different experience than the altar call that you see in Luke chapter 14, which I'm not going to read necessarily today, but you can go check that out. Um, this this idea they're so radically different um 
you know, the, just the idea of like everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed, raise your hand for Jesus. Uh, your, your, your profession of faith is a public thing, like baptism. It's like a public thing. You, you don't want to hide it. It's not intended to be hidden. Um, and I know we're all about making people comfortable. And that, that's just, that's not what Jesus did um, in that chapter. You know what? I'm going to read it because I'm going to read that. I don't have it in my notes, but I'm just going to read it. And I'm going to look it up in my Bible. And you guys are just going to wait along here. Um, it's Luke chapter 14. And this is why I have a Bible on the desk because I can do this. You're going off script, babe. I'm going off script, yeah. It's okay. And um, you're going to the correct script, scripture. 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 Okay, so it's Luke chapter 14, verses 26 through 33. Uh, this is Jesus's altar call. Okay, this is if he was a pastor, pastoring at a church, this is how he would do it. Um, it says, "Now great multitudes went with him, and he turned and said to them." I'm quoting now Jesus. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Now, stop for a second. The word hate there means love less in the Greek. Um, that's how I've interpreted it, at least. Um, most people interpret it that way. He's not going to tell you to go hate somebody, especially your wife. Um, so it's loving less. It means the prioritization it needs to be Christ ahead of all. Verse 27, and whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down and first count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it, lest, he, lest after he had laid the foundation is not able to finish it and all who see it begin to mock him. So one, he's pretty much saying, what kind of person doesn't count the cost involved of making a huge decision like following Jesus? Like, He's not trying to pull the wool over anybody's eyes. He's being incredibly clear, incredibly direct of the massive amount of consequences that are required or that, that occur in someone's life when they become a Christian. And uh, we're going to talk about what those consequences are, right? It's, it's dying to yourself. It's dying to your flesh. Um, Anyways, it goes on to give another example. I'll read, you, you guys can read this up. It's 26 through 33. But he ends with verse 33. So likewise, whoever, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Um, a lot of people turned away when Jesus said that. But mm -hmm. some people stayed. But a lot of people turned away. And I think that, you know, instead of trying to sell people into Christianity, that Jesus was trying to be very raw and real and upfront about exactly the cost involved in following Christ, mm -hmm. um, which is very different than what we do today. Anyways, so uh, we have to remember that an altar in Scripture is not a friendly place to our flesh. It, it's a, it's actually a place that's covered in blood. If you look at the Old Testament, you think of an altar. What do you think of? Stack of rocks. Stack of rocks, and that's mm -hmm. where you go and you kill a lamb or a goat mm -hmm. to make sacrifice and atonement for your sins according to Levitical law, right? Um, in the New Testament, an altar is a wooden cross. Jesus dies on this cross and his blood is spilt from this cross, right? Today, um, you know, we really, I think, lost this idea of what it means to come to the altar, an altar call. Um, and so instead of kind of dying and repenting, um, you, we're, we're made comfortable to remain mm -hmm how we are, remain who we are, and and it's it's just not the narrative that Jesus uh, presents. And so I want to talk about this idea of dedication and death, and this is what I talk about in this chapter. And um, 
you know, it's not a rare thing. Like you think, oh, Dale, are you going to build a whole systematic theology off like a few scriptures? No. This is like, I, I only have enough time for a few of them, but there's like 30 or 40 that I could have found. But um, it's it's really everywhere. And this this these passages display this idea of dedication and death or dedication and death or death and dedication. Uh, I'll uh, r- wrap it up with uh, these scriptures here. It's Romans 12, 1. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies, dedication, as a living sacrifice, death, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Galatians 5.24. And those who belong to Christ Jesus, dedication, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires, death. Uh, Matthew 16.25, a famous line of Jesus. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life, death, for my sake, dedication, will find it. Colossians 3.3, for you have died, death, and your life is hidden with Christ in God, dedication. Uh, Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ, death. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me, and the life which I live now in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, dedication, who loved me and gave himself for me. So this this theme is everywhere. Mm-hmm. And this concept of picking up your cross is really this idea of death. And Jesus talks about that, picking up your cross. And I'm going to ask the question to Veronica, what is a cross do? Kills you. It kills your flesh, kills right? Kills your flesh, yeah. Yeah, and that, that's what it's designed to do. And, and Jesus tells us to pick that thing up daily. But it's actually the first part of a two-part process. And so death, I, I would say, is kind of related to the idea of repentance, like it's dying yourself, it's repenting your sin, it's turning away from your way and turning towards Christ. Uh, while dedication is is more related to belief, like uh, believing in Christ, uh, devoting yourself to Christ. And so I'm going to draw a little parallel here. And so Jesus and John the Baptist would even often say, repent and believe, repent and believe. You see that throughout the New Testament. And again, this follows this, this pattern of like, uh, die and and dedicate you know repent and believe you know turn from your sin and turn turn to Christ um, but Jesus adds another element uh, to this discussion of death and dedication and and uh, we'll talk about that in a bit but we can't just discipline ourselves to like change our behavior and and just religiously dedicate ourselves to his preferred demeanor that's not what I'm talking about there um, this death and dedication isn't, isn't really just like a, a religious behavior modification. That's not what I'm talking about. I know that some people can hear that from me. You know, I've been called the legalist before. Oh, Dale, you're just talking about rule following. Um, but that, that's not what I'm talking about. Uh, th- what, what Jesus is talking about when he talks about death and dedication is supernatural rebirth. He's talking about regeneration. He's talking about the Holy Spirit entering into you changing you from the inside out yeah it has to be the holy spirit because if you're doing it is a behavior modification and or discipline thing you know 21 days makes a habit or however you know whatever the number of days is it's not going to last because it's not a holy spirit transformation no it's going to fade away it's going to fade away exactly and so this is why sanctification is to be driven by the holy spirit not by you um however we cooperate in that we're going to talk about that later in this episode but the solution, Jesus' solution to this, because, you know, prior to the Holy Spirit come in and this idea that we're going to talk about in a second, like, you go, wow, like, well, I, do I just try harder? Is that what you want me to do, just try harder? Well, no, he actually says that we need to be born again. 
And um, if you listen to my episode on self-love, you heard the concept that, um, well, we all need to be born again because none of us are born right, and therefore we all need to be born again. And so that's why anybody who even has sin that they've dealt with as a child, um, or they, they say, I was born this way. I go, well, yeah, I, I was born a sinner too. That's why we all need to be born again. And, um, and you know, th- this idea, uh, I want to talk about born again. Let's see if you guys understand this from a biblical perspective. And I'm going to use John chapter 3, verse 3 uh, as my example. It's Jesus is answering uh, Nicodemus. And he says, Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And so one thing I'm going to say is that um, if you can't see the kingdom of God, you won't be able to find the, the kingdom of God. So that's just one thing right there is that um, you won't have eyes to see or ears to hear. And so I think he's saying here is that uh, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, you need to be born again in order to even see. And and so I think a lot of you guys that are Christians listening to the show have recognized there was a moment in your life that you just go, wow, like I have new eyes. I have new ears. I, I have like a new sense of like morality or conviction in my heart. And so this is Nicodemus asking an obvious question about the claims of Jesus's ministry. What is Jesus always claiming? The kingdom of God is at hand. It's near, right? And so he's asking him, like, how do I see the kingdom of God? Like this kingdom of God you're talking about, what, what, what do you do to get there? And then Jesus answers him, most assuredly, I said to you, unless you're born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And of course, Nicodemus is like, well, how the heck do I cl- climb back into my mom's womb, right? He's, <laughs> he's asking the pretty obvious question. And, um, you know, this, this is a big statement for a Jew. And I, wanna, I want to explain this so that you guys have the two, Jesus' words are applicable to the non-Jews in this moment because it's for Christianity as a whole, universal. But it's also the context we got to look at that this is also a Pharisee asking Jesus um, about this. And so there's some Jewish context that I want to show you real quick. And so uh, this idea of being born again is kind of a big deal because Jews really thought highly of their um, ancestry, their birth line. Um, They were of the seed or line of Abraham, and Abraham's seed was sufficient according to their doctrine, right? They were living in the promise of the seed that, that the whole nation would be blessed through his seed. And so this is why uh, Jesus said in Matthew 3, 9, it says, And do not presume to say to yourselves that we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. And so he's saying like, hey, the seed of Abraham's not sufficient for the kingdom of God. Um, and so your, your birth, uh, even a birth, and the seed of promise, if you were a Hebrew at that time, um, is not sufficient. You need to realize that your current state is is useless. He's basically saying you're, you're depraved and dead. He's telling this to, to Nicodemus. Uh, and he actually says later in John, uh, I'm about to lay the axe head at the roots of the entire Jewish religion. That's what Jesus came to do. Um, when he talks about this idea that like the temple is going to be torn down and then I'm basically going to raise it up in three days. Like th- these are huge statements to understand the context, what's going on. Um, what, what Jesus is really leading into is that you need to be renewed. You need to have the law of God stamped on your heart. You need to be regenerated. You need to be born of water and of the Spirit. You need to be spiritually die through repentance. You need to get baptized, be born again. 
Um, and this is how you're going to have eyes to see and ears to hear the kingdom of God, Nicodemus. And this is why 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 3 says, Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. And who's the word of God? Jesus, right? Jesus is the word made flesh, John chapter 1. And so, uh, you know, this is some fun theology stuff, but the idea is dedication and death is a really important process. And I want to ask you guys a really serious question. Have you died? Mm. I see a lot of Christians kind of walking around like half limping, still alive. You know, um, are, are you kind of partially dead? Um, have you have you truly said, Father, your will be done, not mine? Your will be done, not mine. And, and are, are you seeking his kingdom or your kingdom? And you, you can't serve two masters. You know, this is an idea. This is a really important question to ask yourself. Where are you at? Are you, are you still seeking your own or are you seeking him? Hmm. Yeah, so as Del mentioned, uh, the altar represents the moment of justification through Christ, but it does not represent the lifelong sanctification through relationship. Yeah, so there's like that two-part side right there, mm -hmm. right? Like yeah. You can believe when you're a little kid and be justified. Mm -hmm. But that sanctification process is, takes time. Yeah, and it's lifelong, like, it's lifelong. like I just mentioned. Um, so the next chapter is titled Abide or Depart. And we're going to look and see what Jesus claims is the central ingredient to being a in a loving relationship with him. Um, so Dale, a lot of people want to strengthen their relationship, uh, but we often go about that uh, in the wrong way or just in one of many right ways, I guess you could say. Yeah. Um, for example, some people go to the mountains and sit in nature hoping uh, to get closer with God by doing that. Mm -hmm. um, some people pray because they get to talk to God. Um, some people uh, read the word because they get to hear from God. Um, oh, you know, some people like to worship um, and sing because they want to feel close to God. Mm -hmm. um, but if relationship is built on love, what does Jesus tell us about how to love him? Yeah, I mean, this is a, it's so backwards because we've, we've manufactured a, a Christian culture that if you ask anybody in a crowd, like, how do you get close to Jesus? Like, those would probably be all the answers that you mm -hmm. just said. You know, everyone had, would have their own opinion on how they get closer to Jesus. Yeah, I, I pray. I, I read the word, mm -hmm. you know, I listen to podcasts or listen to sermons or, you know, whatever. Um, and and so I, I want to talk about, yeah, what does it mean to love Jesus uh, according to his preferred way of love and what it means to really abide in his word? And so. Uh, John fourteen fifteen says some words that Jesus repeatedly says throughout the New Testament. He says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Mm -hmm. And and this is a pretty large theme of the Gospels. Jesus saying this. He actually says it like several times in one chapter of John that's like back to back. He says like four or five different ways in one chapter. And so the greatest way to show your affection to God is is by keeping his commandments. Um, that's what Jesus says. It's it's actually Jesus's preferred way for us to display love and devotion to him. That's his preferred way. It's not the only way, but it's his preferred way. And uh, I want to point out first 
that you, you can't keep a commandment that you're unaware of. Um, and I, I think many of us disobey God in ignorance. Like mm-hmm. we just don't even realize that that's like a sinful thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, guys, I'm not talking about keeping his commandments keeps us saved. Jesus keeps us saved. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm talking about relational love here. So get just get that through your head for a second because I know I could just hear the comments flowing in right now. Oh my gosh, you're talking about a workspace religion. It's not what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> and so we do have the Holy Spirit now that the Old Testament didn't have in terms of coming and living in us, dwelling with us, convicting us of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And that's uh, John 16:8, And he's John... Uh, 1426 also says that the Holy Spirit will teach us all things. Um, But the Holy Spirit doesn't overtake us. He doesn't make us robotic. Like he doesn't overtake our life. Like we don't just autopilot. You know what? The Holy Spirit's going to come in. Um, We don't have this robotic experience. We cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Um, this is why scripture teaches us that we can actually grieve the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4, 29 through 30 says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth but what is good and necessary for edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Okay, there, there's God's sovereignty, and then there's man's responsibility. And they cooperate with each other. There's God's sovereignty and man's responsibility. And again, this is one of those themes that's throughout Scripture that I could list 30 verses for. I don't have them right now, but there is a lot of this in the book. Um, and And so... God plays a part by convicting and you play a part by choosing to do the right thing according to scripture, keeping his commands, you know, following him, being holy as he is holy is what it says in first or second Peter. I don't remember. Um, But part of man's responsibility is to make yourself familiar with God's commands to you. Um, And this is clear in scripture. Second Timothy 2.15, be diligent to present yourself to prove to God. A worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Uh, what is the first and greatest commandment? You got it? Uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind. Or with all your heart, soul, mind. Yes, like there you go. And so we're, we're, um, we're called to uh, love the Lord with all your, uh, all your being. And one of them is your mind. How do you love God with your mind? Well, you know his word, his precepts, his commandments, his, his uh, expectations for us. Um, and I think King David, uh, authored it nicely. He said, uh, Psalm 119, 11, um, it says, thy word I have hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just this posture of like, I just want to know your word so that I don't accidentally sin against you. Cause I love you and I want to honor you. Yeah. Like uh, It's knowing God's preferences. I think even in our marriage, we ask each other often, like, how do I, you know, how can I please you? How can I behave differently? What can I do around the house? What can we do in our marriage? Right. I was rearranging the homeschool room and you walked in and I could immediately tell that you didn't like it. And in my flesh, I wanted to get like frustrated and be like, ah, just let me do it. And then you walk, you walked away and you're just because you're just going to let me do my thing. And then I was like, this is Dale's house too and he doesn't like it and so I want us both to like it so we'll figure something else out yeah and I thought that was a good statement that you said oh I want you to like it too and that was a good statement and yeah you you we want to to meet each other's 
preferences and know each other's preferences. And so we, we seek to understand those things so that we don't accidentally hurt each other. Yeah, and that's not a situation where either of us would have been hurt, but just the desire to please you. Yeah. Because, yeah, you have to see that room every day just as much as I do. Yeah. No, that's a good point. Anyway. And so... Very um, small example. It is, but it's a good example. And and guys, do, do you know the New Testament commands, God's expectation for us, um, that you might not transgress against him? Um now, again, I'm not se- I'm not preaching self righteousness. That's not what I'm talking about. Um, there's no amount of righteous law keeping that's going to keep you saved. Jesus keeps us saved. Um, I'm talking about personal holiness. I'm talking about uh, ordering your life according to the New Testament commands of Scripture uh, to live as a set apart people, to honor God, to glorify God, to to stand out in a way that that loves people, that that fulfills the Great Commission, that that preaches the gospel, that supports and upholds truth, that, that makes people believe that Jesus is the Christ. Like all, These are parts of the Christian life. And, um, and we, we're called to be obedient. I mean, period. We're called to be obedient. Um, we're, we're not, what does it say? Uh, just because you're covered by grace, should we continue sinning? No. Certainly not, is what Paul says. No, we should not. Just because grace abounds... Like, doesn't mean that we get to go and... It doesn't give you a free pass. No, mm-hmm. we're, we're called to be obedient. Um, and so, uh, you know, this is what Jesus is saying. I, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Now, um, obedience is not the only way to love God, but I would say it is the best and first way to love God. And so when you go, man, I just want to love the Lord. Like, the first thing in your head shouldn't be, well, I'm going to go and like pray with the Lord. Um, or I'm going to go and like worship the Lord. These aren't bad things. These are great things, important things, critical things. But Jesus didn't say, if you love me, you'll pray to me. Or if you love me, you'll go worship me. If you love me, you'll go read the word. I, I think that there's something deep about a willingness to be obedient that kind of is worshipful, that is honoring, that implies you know the word. Like obedience is the fulfillment of those things because you go, oh, Lord, you know, hide your word in my heart so that I might not sin against thee. I want to be obedient. I want to follow your ways and your will. And so I'm going to give you an example from my own children. Um, And I think, babe, you'll you'll align with this. Um, I often say, you know, if you love me, you'll listen to me. Like, that's the same idea. If you look at your kids. You love me, you'll obey me. Yeah, if you love me, you'll obey me. If you love me, you'll listen to me. If I, I say that to my daughter... Um, when they don't listen to me, it makes me feel dishonored. I, I feel like they're not pursuing my will as their parent, but their will. And that, that that's exactly what's happening. It's not my will be done in their life. It's their will be done in their life. And um, I don't feel like they care about me in those moments. I don't feel like they trust that my ways are wiser than their ways. And these are real emotions that I have when they are disobedient. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. There you go. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, I think these, these uh, ideas are, are rebellious in their hearts when they don't want to follow what dad says. And so First um, Corinthians 6, 19 through 20, I say this all the time. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, who you have, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. 
Okay, so like first, you're just not even you're not even yours. Like you you're not even allowed to make decisions on your own. I actually just put this on my Instagram stories today. Like if you think of yourself as a servant of God, like you you were pr- previously slaves to righteousness or to to sin. Now you're a slave to Christ, is what the scriptures teach. So you're owned by God. Like if you were a literal slave of Jesus Christ, um you would ask permission to do everything. You would go, oh, like, Lord, can I go do this? Can I, Lord, should I, should I sell this house? Should I buy and should we move our family over here? Should I take this new job? Should I, um, what, what should I be doing today, Lord? What is my priority, God? What do you want me to do with my children here in this capacity? How, How should I order my finances, Lord? There's this posture that you go, I just want to seek his will his will and mm-hmm. and get his through through prayer through understanding through the word and through obedience and so god's looking for a yielded heart and a diligent seeker of him and that's what this chapter really concludes with and he loves children that that i would say who are so concerned and even like disturbed at the idea of ignorantly or accidentally disobeying him and it reminds me of the scripture in First Peter 3, where it goes, you know, as, um, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, mm. you know, Sarah's obeying her husband, calling him Lord, as if he were God himself. Yeah. Um, be- as of, uh, you know, a fear of displeasing him. Yes, exactly. A, a healthy f- fear. Yeah, a healthy dis- fear of displeasing, displeasing him. him. Exactly. It's that you just go, I just don't want to displease you, Lord. I, do you have that heart posture? Do you want to know the word of God so well that, that you can not accidentally or ignorantly do something that's sinful? Um, and, you know, what he's looking for is sons and daughters um, who, who pray regularly, who worship regularly, who read the word regularly, uh, but also who discipline themselves to keep his commandments. And not because it saves us, but because of the overwhelming gratitude that we have of his saving work for our sake. And so that's my take on that, on that chapter. Um, any thoughts? Bravo. So it's, it's Mm -hmm. a fun, it's a fun book. And, um, you know, these next couple episodes are just diving into some of those concepts. I'd love for you guys to get a chance to go through the whole thing. It's also an audio book. I had several people tag me and the, I think audiobooks are becoming mm, even they, more and They've more been pretty popular. I mean, with people commuting and driving all the time and flying and everyone wants something to listen to while they're busy. And I read it. out, whatever it is. I read it in like an hour and eight minutes. Yeah, and the audiobook like is Dale reading it. It's not yeah. somebody else. Yeah, which I, I'm so mad. Save from Success, my other book. <laughs> I didn't read it. It's the only book that I've written that I hadn't read. I was sick or something like that. And it's always so weird when I listen to it. I'm like, who is this person? I've I've listened to it though. It's he's probably it's a not better, you. He's probably a better reader than good. me. Anyways, <laughs> so guys, you guys can pick this up at shop.relearnchurch.org or on Amazon. Um, you can see the book here on the video. If you guys subscribe to our YouTube channel, um, that's a thing. And you guys can also follow us on Instagram if you guys don't do that. Veronica's funny. Like, if you guys follow her on Instagram stories, she's like a legit professional story person. <laughs> and and I, she's you're better at stories than me. 
So funny. So um. I don't know. You post some pretty funny memes. The memes. The one I'm literally like trying to hold back in a laugh right now because I was thinking about the gorilla one that you posted. <laughs> of the dads. <laughs> oh, it's just like what gorillas always look like. They're about to meet their daughter's boyfriend for the first <laughs> time or something. And all the like serious faces. I don't know. Sorry, this is totally off topic, but it was just uh, no, it's good. popped in my head randomly like 30 seconds before we got into this conversation. It was really oh, funny. there's so, yeah, the, the Christian meme space, like. <laughs> I follow all the theology accounts, so there it's like there's the Christian memes that I think a lot of Christians follow, but then I follow all the theology accounts that are like higher thinking theology uh, memes. Theology <laughs> memes. And some of them are hilarious, man. They're 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 funny. Um, okay, so uh, you guys know that we've been doing some real Christianity resources at the end of the show. Told you guys about a handful of publishers that we appreciate that create content that's like a step above the common stuff that's coming out yeah you generally won't find the stuff at like barnes and noble yeah exactly and and um and they're just deeper thinking writers um anyway so we're talking about lexham press uh we've been working with them for a couple weeks now they're actually the creators of logos uh bible software which i've been using now to create sermons and i really like it just let you guys know i have to use it for school and um so uh yeah logos if you've heard of it it's just like it's awesome software if you want to study the Word of God, um, and I'm not even I'm not even promoting that today. Um, and there's a uh, a few books that I want to show you guys here. So one is called Christianity Considered. Subtitle is A Guide for Skeptics and Seekers, and this is by John Frame, and he's kind of like a philosophy major, but also I think he's the president uh, or chair of Systematic Theology and Philosophy. Um, uh, at a, at a uh, theological seminary in Orlando. And um, he's got a lot of really great content, very apologetics uh, type author. And I just appreciate his stuff. I would say like kind of in that Ravi Zacharias kind of space in terms of high thinking, um, arguing ph philosophy of Christianity. And he has another one called We Are All Philosophers, a Christian introduction to the seven fundamental questions. And so these are just good little resources. And I think I showed you guys these, maybe one of these last week. There's a, they're doing a series called the Christian Essentials series, and they're doing it on a handful of topics. The first two are the Apostles' Creed and the Lord's Prayer. You guys can see these here. They're little five-by-seven books. They're the same size as my book, actually. Look at that. So they're five-by-seven hardback books, which I like that size, and they're very short, and they're really good, like pocket books, high-thinking books. They're really classy. You almost want them on your shelf. And, um, and so I... I like just breaks down the Apostles' Creed. It breaks down the Lord's Prayer. Um, and so I just wanted to talk about them and recommend them. I've actually used these a handful of times already in my study time. And uh, you can check them out. If you go to leximpress.com forward slash real Christianity, and everything's there. It's like 30% off. It's going to be cheaper than you'd get it at Amazon. Again, that's Lexham, and that's L-E-X-H-A-M, Lexham Press dot com forward slash real Christianity. Check them out. Okay. Until next time. Until next time. All right. We'll see you guys and talk about the next uh, couple chapters of the book. Thanks for joining us, guys. Take care. See ya.